Hello and welcome to Talking Jacks. My name is Chris Davis and joining me as always is everyone's favorite soccer goose is Ben Gosshorn. How's it going, Ben? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, Chris? Well, I'm, um, you know, you remember like in February and March when we were so excited, the season was going to start. I was going to start helping you out with Talking Jacks. We were going to do like two episodes a week doing all kinds of interviews, behind the scenes stuff. And then the virus happened after one whole episode. And then I got really swamped with schoolwork because all of my classes in person became online and none of my teachers mm-hmm. knew how to do online classes. And then, um, you know, we started noticing dance tweets. So um, I'd say less awesome than the last time I was on this podcast, but you know, I'm still here at least. So uh, yeah, you doing all right? Yeah. I mean, pretty good. All things considered. Uh, it's been a, uh, a whirlwind of uh, uh, craziness. Uh with yeah. COVID, outside of COVID, and all things considered, but I guess yeah, for sure. still here, so that so that's a major positive. Yeah. So for any of you who may or may not know, because I know not everyone's on Twitter um, as much that listens to the pod, but um, the Charlotte Independence has lost a lot of their key fans, like people who've been with the club from like the first season, who have been the loudest supporters, have withdrawn their support. In large part, response in response to some of the primary owner Dan uh, D'Amico is it D'Amico D'Amico mm-hmm. uh, D'Amico's tweets, um, which we'll talk about here in a minute. You know how questionable they are. Uh, those mm-hmm. supporters include both Ben and myself here, yep. and so Ben, I was wondering if you felt like describing for the listeners how did we get to this point? Yeah, so the uh, maybe not as short as I can put it, but essentially. Uh, June 1st, uh, I was made aware of some uh, insensitive, uh, so, some tweets from Dan that what really hit the mark as far as I'm concerned for mm-hmm. um, the, the times that we're all in. I felt like um, it was kind of taking away from the... Uh, the groundswell of uh, momentum to really uh, bring to light the Black Lives Matter movement, um, police brutality, the murders of uh, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery, um, things of that nature. It was, in general, uh, just a kind of a, a shocking moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the the members of Jack's Militia, Jason, had brought it to, to really everybody's attention. and Yeah. For me, that morning when I saw it, it was uh, not to make it about me because it is not about me, but it was kind of embarrassing to me to see that the the primary owner of the independence was um, so adamantly spewing uh, such negative uh, language, yeah. um, rhetoric, whatever you want to call it. Um, mm-hmm. So really, it, it made me sit back and say, well, I, I I felt strongly that we needed to put out a statement, quite frankly, because days before that, um, I had posed the question to some of the other membership or uh, leaders of Jack's Militia. Hey, maybe we should put out a uh, an anti-racist, a Black Lives Matter, uh, whatever you want to call it, statement, uh, essentially in support of the players um, and, as I said, the, the times that we all are in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course... Like I said, a couple of days later, um, we were made aware of Dan's tweets and it made, made it even more important, I felt like, uh, in the absence of the club putting out any type of uh, 
statement of support for the players because at that point um, he would have been very vocal um, about yeah. sharing his perspectives, opinions, and, and, the, and the like um, to support the movement that was going on. So we put that statement out on, uh, on June 1st. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was later that day, maybe a few hours, uh, technically speaking. Uh, the club put out an anti-racist statement um, I want to say maybe an hour after uh, Ashley Mahoney with the QCFC, Queen yeah. City Football Chronicle, uh, had put out a uh, honest, I'd say, but uh, seemingly scathing uh, kind of backstory on what had been transpiring with the club and how they didn't want to put out a statement. And then, because they didn't want to check off a box is the way they had worded it, specifically Jim McPhillamy, the president. Yeah. Uh, they didn't want to, if I recall correctly, just do something for the sake of doing it. They didn't want to be mm -hmm. part of a trend, uh, which I can agree with. Like, I don't, I didn't feel that, I don't feel anybody should do that for a lot of, for a lack of a uh, better description. Like it, yeah. it doesn't do anybody good, any good if you're just going to put out words uh, and not back them up as far as I'm concerned. So that kind of got us to where we were. Um, it feels like a long time ago, but it was, right. it was only about a month. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was what kind of spurred on the, the statement from Jack's militia um, and to really address the situation and say, Hey, we, our owner is not us. Um, yeah. And to say that those actions were wrong because for me, it was, it was a matter of um, we could have sat back and just said nothing like, probably a lot of people wouldn't have noticed. Um, yeah. But for me, it was a matter of standing up and saying that those actions and the continued actions of Dan D'Amico were wrong. Um, and to really, I don't want to say bring, bring those to light, but uh, denounce them for lack of a better word. Yeah, for sure. Cause I mean, if you don't say anything, especially if you know about it, it feels like complicity to me. And mm -hmm. just so that people, because we'll talk about it in a minute, but uh, some people, particularly Dan and a couple, some fans are arguing that it's more about politics uh, than anything else. But some of these tweets, including calling COVID-19 the China virus, which yep. the WHO changed their policies uh, five years ago to not make it regional because there's plenty of evidence to show that when you make it about region or race or anything of that nature, you do see an uptick in, you know, hate crimes or just racist actions, just all kinds of things. Like, I mean, Asian Americans, uh, discriminatory, that's what I'm looking for. Asian Americans are being discriminated a little bit more since with all of this, I mean, calling it anything from China virus to, um, what's that really awful one Trump says, Kung flu. I haven't seen Dan say that. I've just seen him call it like the China or Chinese virus. Um, they also had a tweet quoting someone saying, Racism is on life support, kept alive mainly by people who use it for an excuse. And also tweeting George Soros conspiracies, which um, uh, Mark Asher Goodman, mm -hmm. uh, he pointed out that that's heavily linked with anti-Semitism. And um, I just don't know how those can be construed as simply political. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I was proud of Jack's Militia for putting out that statement and for, you know, why I felt so compelled to myself withdraw my financial support from the team. Mm -hmm. And I think you touched base on a really important part there that in all, I'm, 
willing to admit, I was willing to admit that morning mm-hmm. that I was aware and many other people were aware of his political alignments to yeah. Trump. It's yeah, 100%. not uh, unknown that he was an advisor for Trump in 2016, a mm-hmm. uh, trade advisor, I think specifically, whatever the case may be. Yeah, he I was, think it was that. Uh, in his uh, organization, for, for lack of a better word, and it's, yeah. it was a matter of seeing that he was more socially aligned with Trump, which I was under the impression he wasn't, mm. really just made me sit back and say, we, I mean, we, ha- we have to do something. It's not going to do much, maybe, but I would think, looking back on it now, I think maybe, I don't want to say positive of coming, but, but I think um, it was the right thing for us to do. And that, that's kind of what I've come back to time and time again during all this is what is the right thing to do? Like, it's not right for us to just sit back and do nothing to say nothing and to just, well, it's a club. Like, what are we going to do? Like, what, what can they do? Um, Cause I've even had the thoughts of, and I've asked some other people, like, are we asking too much of our clubs to like yeah. put out statements and to put action behind their words and, and things like that. And I would, in hindsight, I would say that we're not asking too much and, and clubs have risen to the occasion in numerous yeah. examples and, the independence of really um, done nothing. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's, that's really what it comes down to uh, not to jump too far ahead, but it's, it's where the frustration comes for me is that you've, you've got Hugh and Brandon uh, two very vocal players um, on the independence and, and leaders in the league and the club specifically that have been very vocal about these issues and, um, and very willing to uh, be vulnerable in a lot of ways. And the, and the club has publicly done nothing to support them, which is um, here recently they've done a little, and, and I'll, I'll definitely uh, praise them for that in some regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a, about a month's time, they didn't do anything, which was just yeah. frustrating to see. Absolutely. And uh, so they put out that weak anti-racism statement, um, I believe it was June 1st, right when Ashley was coming out with the story where president was quoted as saying uh, they didn't want to do it to check a box. So therefore it just looked like they were checking a box, which is something uh, Jason asked us was how did we feel at that point? And I think we've kind of already said it It felt weak and it felt like, okay, you just said that doing this would be just checking a social media box for you. Mm -hmm. And then you did it pretty much very obviously because of the pressure of the article coming out and the players saying they didn't feel supported. So how are we to take that other than it's not sincere? And even if it was sincere, the statement itself wasn't very strong. So yep. it's kind of, if anything, it's almost like it would have been better to, for them to stick to their guns and not stick to their statement. Like to me, yeah. like, like as crappy as it would be to not you know, stand up for this, at least you're showing us who you are rather than frankly BSing us is how I saw it. Because yeah. if it's just checking a box to you, why are you then checking the box? Yeah. But, yeah, um, so that's more or less been the backlash, and we've seen the club more or less for a whole month didn't not only didn't do anything about the whole uh, movement, but also in their fans constantly calling out Dan. I mean, I don't know how many fans it was. I mean, we don't have a lot to begin with, but yeah. I would say pretty much all of our most vocal, most prominent on Twitter, most supportive fans. I. I think mm-hmm. just about all of them have not only condemned these actions, but a lot of withdrawn uh, from, you know, any sort of support that they can. Um, yeah. And so initially at one point, 
from what you told me, you tried to reach out to the club to have this conversation with them. And I can't remember who you said you spoke with, but correct me if I'm wrong. They told you that the, the week that you called wanted to have a meeting was too busy. And next week probably wasn't going to work either because they're too busy in the middle of a bunch of fans slamming the team and saying they don't want to support the independence anymore. Is that correct? Yeah. So, um, it was about a week ago, technically speaking. Um, mm-hmm. I had reached out to, um, the CFO, Tim, um, mm-hmm. with the front office. Cause I had a previous conversations with him regarding, uh, for instance, where Jackson Wilshire was going to sit in Memorial um, and things of that nature. So there was a, there was a, an ability for us both to communicate via email. And I reached out and I finally had enough and I'll self-identify that I probably should have done this earlier, to be honest with you. I think um, we all should have, frankly. Yeah. Um, but I'd reached out and said, Hey, um, I want to see what next steps you're going to take. Cause it's been a month or about mm. a month at that point, And Really nothing has been done, but I want to see if Jax Melissa can support you in being a quote unquote catalyst in the community, in this movement, whatever you want to call it, um, that they referenced in their statement and, and then a follow-up. And I was very direct in this, um, about how Dan D'Amico's Twitter activity has had a overwhelmingly negative impact on the, uh, independent soccer community, both in Jax Militia and outside of it, um, I requested a, a, a in-person, virtual, whatever it would be, meeting this mm-hmm. upcoming week. And, and like you said, it was kind of pushed back to the following week because, of course, uh, it was a holiday week, which I can understand. There's a lot of things going on in the front office. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're going to kick the can to next week and then kind of kick it down another week and say, well, we're going to be really busy. We've got a schedule coming out. We've got sponsorship things we've got this that and the other we've got to worry about but you're not going to prioritize um like you said a large majority of the fan base a concern that they have raised to the club after Mm -hmm. the club has as far as i'm concerned chosen to ignore that issue for a month's time um i I don't know I, i don't know what to do and i don't know what to i don't know how to express to them that there's a problem there yeah um and just kind of for context sake, there was, um, and I think it was a, maybe a few days, um, before that, that email I sent to Tim, uh, I had noticed that Dan had blocked me, which, um, was kind of a, it was a moment where it was more symbolic than anything else. I mean, yeah. quite frankly, I don't really care if he blocks me. He's, he's yeah. allowed to do that. Like, again, yeah. It's his personal I mean, what, account. I mean, were you even following him before, like this whole? No. Yeah, I neither mean, was I. Because I. Um, yeah. I knew that, quite frankly, uh, the things he was tweeting as far as like trade things and political alignments yeah. with Trump, I don't really care to have in my feed, quite honestly. Right. Yeah, same here. Um, That's why I just never really paid him much mind. I looked at his Twitter when he first was announced to buy the team. I'm like, yeah, okay, this guy really likes Trump. He's really all about trade war with China and all that. And I don't really care to read it. Yeah. yeah, but um, but he did blot me, and it um, it did kind of become its own thing there. Um, and I'm happy to see that because, um, simply put, there was a lot of outside of Charlotte and inside of Charlotte uh, attention that that had gained. Um, to see that the owner of the club had blocked me, I, I didn't bring attention to it because I I didn't know if it was necessarily applicable. But also the Jacks Militia uh, supporter group Twitter account. Um, 
but it really just got a lot of backlash and I was happy to see that it was continuing the attention that it was that Dan was spewing hateful Mm. rhetoric and and things of that nature um and I was happy to see that it did continue to gain that momentum in the in the sense that it was um nothing had been accomplished and that I guess like I said the imagery of blocking the president of the supporters group and one of the most uh not to uh sound gaudy but the, one of the more vocal independent supporters yeah. um that they have it just kind of it showed to me that they the moment you say anything negative about dan specifically oh we don't want anything to do with you which is yeah. just not a not a good look <laughs> no not at all i mean you, you have people i mean we weren't we are i never got blocked by dan which um yeah. whatever but I, I, I don't think i really other than my main statement i mostly just retweeted what you guys were tweeting because i just couldn't like search through his feed it just was depressing and plus i'm not on twitter much but like for me it just for your most passionate fans to just not only walk away but vehemently be against what your primary owner's doing i get the the conflict because it's like i imagine at least this guy's most of your money the team might not even be here had he not invested a couple years ago and so it's like i guess awkward for them to try to speak out against it but to not even acknowledge your man your your most passionate fans this whole time. Like I've never had a reply from them and I know they're it's working. Cause like you, you look on their Instagram where they were deleting negative tweets or mm-hmm. negative comments at one point, they were replying to the positive ones. So they're seeing our yeah. stuff, but like for all that, it just feels like, wow. So you only want to engage with us whenever we're uh, positive. Like that's like, I get it. It's more awkward. And I even get Dan blocking you in, in some degree because he's like, yeah, from his perspective, I assume he doesn't think he's done anything wrong. And uh, for someone to be attacking him like that, especially when he doesn't even tweet about soccer, he's like, well, I just don't want this soccer goose anywhere near my feet. So I, I, I get that perspective. But one thing I will say, and I don't know really about whether it's praise or not, but I, I was kind of amazed when you told me that D'Amico actually reached out to you for the uh, meeting because after you got more or less shut down by the front office, he unblocks you, sends you a DM, I assume, and invites you to have a sit-down meeting with him to talk about things. So, like, that was surprising to me. Mm-hmm. And it was to me, too. I was happy to see it because at a certain point I knew and, – and the reason why I wanted to have the meeting with the front office was it was because I knew that nothing was going to be solved over Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, Twitter's great. Twitter's awesome. But it's not a very great – it's not a great form to uh, – discuss uh, to topics a, yeah exactly um in, in great detail uh short excerpts and things like that it's fantastic uh mm-hmm. in-depth topics like this was nothing was really going to be solved unfortunately right. so, so the day before y'all's meeting he puts out a statement that we referred to earlier and it it wasn't so much an apology as a i've done nothing wrong you're interpreting everything wrong yeah don't mix what i'm saying like I'm talking about politics and you're mixing it up with racism. So it was very much a, um, like for me, I offended you. Not even, he didn't even say, I'm sorry. I offended you. Well, like like that would be a step for me because it's like, okay, maybe he doesn't see where we're coming from, but he sees that there's enough of us upset that it isn't just, I would hope like it's obvious that it isn't just politics and isn't just people making some excuse to hate on the team, but no, it's just, you're wrong. And you're just not understanding me and that's your fault. And 
that's all that statement communicated to me. And so to me, I'm curious, was anyone swayed by that statement? Did anyone be like, oh, well, maybe Dan's not such a bad guy? Or like, like no one was convinced by that statement. So what was the point? Yeah, that, is and my that's thought. What, and I wish I had brought it up in, the, in our discussion or my talk mm-hmm. with Dan, um, just because I don't know. There's two things that stood out for me in that statement. I don't know what prompted him to do that. And I mm-hmm. don't know what he was trying to accomplish. Yeah. Because what, whatever, whatever prompted him and whatever he was trying to accomplish was, was not good. Like it did not, it did not hit any mark. It did not address anything at all. It just kind of, it felt like it was, um, and I saw some people bring this up, um, but it kind of felt like he was trying to sweep it under the rug. Like, oh, I've acknowledged it, air quotes, because this is a podcast mm-hmm. and we're going to move on from this. Um, everybody come back and support the club. We're about to come back and play. Kind of yeah thing, which is like that's not it's not how this works like this isn't this isn't a situation where you can just put out a another um i don't even want to say statement but another thing yeah to say okay we're we've moved on let's get over this yeah let's get back to soccer things and um, like this is yeah. such a small thing but it's one thing i did notice is like he he's i believe that's the first communication to come from the team that had the words black lives matter in it I believe so yeah and like I don't know if maybe you thought, well, I'll just say the thing and then explain my position yeah. and why you're wrong. And that'll be that. But I, I do think the timing's interesting too, because you did it the day before your meeting. Yeah. And I don't know if maybe you thought between that and the meeting and then hoping you'd come out talking about how Dan's the greatest human ever. And we all misunderstood. Yeah. It would be fine. But I think now it is time for us to move on to that meeting um, because that's, why most people are here i imagine it's definitely why i why i'm here uh mm-hmm. i want to hear as much as i can about this meeting we've talked a bit privately but so the first thing i want to ask is you, you go there and i assume you went by yourself and yeah. i don't know if it was one-on-one with him or if there was someone else in the room but like what was it like just to sit there to start like how did the conversation start i imagine it had to be awkward as hell yeah i mean it was a little bit it was a one-on-one meeting with me and and dan in his uh in his office mm-hmm. um uh, with a little bit of distancing, but masks, thankfully. Um, mm-hmm. We did agree upon that beforehand. Um, but it was it was something where I wasn't nervous necessarily up until like right before I had to leave for the darn thing. It was like, oh, okay, I'm about to go have like a super, potentially super intense conversation um, about a very uh divisive topic i guess you could say or a string of topics in some yeah. ways um and it, it's something where like i'll say it this way a month before that i probably would not have been ready to have that conversation yeah um, it was it was something where i had to do a lot of like internal education and internal learning um just to kind of be at all prepared to have that type of a conversation with with dan yeah um and, and going into it the the beginning part of the conversation was simply put it kind of felt like he didn't quite understand where the problem was i mean it was more about like him apologizing because he blocked me and mm-hmm. um which is awesome and great but like that's like the least of the problems yeah like i'm not worried about a person blocking me on twitter like that's not yeah. where my frustration really came from it's a matter of dan as i said like spewing uh conspiracy theories and trying to act like for like for reference 
that the Chinese government is infiltrating the Black Lives Matter protest mm-hmm. to tear down the government of America. Like, you're totally missing the mark. And you can't sit there and say, um, oh, well, I've come out in support of the Black Lives Matter movement and racial equality and things like that. So that glazes over everything else I'm about, I'm, I'm, I'm ever going to say. Like, that's yeah. not how that works. You, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, and it, it, that's not how that situation works. So it was a matter of him, like, describing... Yeah, like why, like, why he was apologetic about blocking me and things about the club. And it just, it didn't start great. It was a lot of talking from him, to be honest with you, which I did want to hear from him in his perspective on things in some regard, mm-hmm. because I know um, Twitter's great and stuff, but you can only express so many feelings and so many emotions or with so many words. Like you can't give the full spectrum of things. And yeah, I went into it hoping that I'd gain some more clarity on who the man Dan is. Mm-hmm. And I think I got that somewhat, but I don't know that it was hugely beneficial into the problem itself, the problem itself. Yes. And, okay. and, and because he made a, a distinction that I would never, or he would never ask me to apologize for my political views. Just like he, he wouldn't want me to. And right. I get that, but this isn't a political situation. Like this isn't his political views on trade and with China. Like this is a matter of like you completely misinterpreting protest and like not understanding why people are tearing down monuments. Mm-hmm. Um, for racist and people that held had slaves and things like that, yeah. like, like just missing the mark and not understanding things mm-hmm. appropriately. I feel like, right. So, why do you think he called the meeting? Was it just to kind of like, kind of like his statement, but over? Because like you told me, this meeting was like over two hours long, and yeah. that he did most of the talking. So like was it just like a very long version of that statement? I would say potentially so. I mean, it didn't seem like he, I feel like he was receptive in some regard to what I had to Mm -hmm. say, but it was still, there was a lot of pushback on like, like for references sake, I would bring up the fact that I was frustrated that the the club was not, supporting the players Mm -hmm. in their initiatives to promote their voice and what they felt passionate about during these times. Yeah. And that, that had missed the mark. And his first response was, well, we haven't done nothing. I've, I've privately encouraged Brandon to continue to speak up and to do this and to do that. But Mm -hmm. it's, it's a matter of, and I know it's easier said than done, but it's a matter of, understanding the times we're in and understanding that you encouraging somebody else to doing something isn't enough really mm-hmm. i mean yeah. that's what it comes down to like i mean i could have sat and, back there and just been like hugh and brandon you're doing great keep doing what you're doing we support you and what you are doing 100 percent." Right. right and i don't think I, the way i tried to describe it to him is it's a matter of like this is going to take all of us because this is a we problem, not a yeah. Brandon and Hugh problem. Yeah, it's not just a black problem. I mean, exactly. Like, we as a country in America are in this problem because we all have sp- chosen to not speak up about this. And, yep. I, and I say we as in me as well because yeah. I, I will self identify that I have not um, 
really taken this seriously as as much as I have here recently. And I, mm-hmm. I and I think that's that's what I was trying to express to him is that like this is a matter of all of us rising to this occasion. Yeah, and that. And why, where my frustration come was not about you blocking me on Twitter. It was a matter of the club failing to rise to the occasion to support the players, support mm-hmm. the community, support um, positive change for, for everyone. And I think you can sit back and say and, and give excuses of which, quite frankly, he did about resources and, uh, and, and things like that with the club and how they, they, I don't know, maybe shouldn't be seen to be able to do something like New Mexico United has, has done mm. or will be doing, or maybe Louisville City has done. But at the same time, it's just, it There's was frustrating. Shit you can to do be, for free. Exactly. And, yeah. and that's what it comes down to to me is like, you, like, those are obviously extreme circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, what Louisville City has been able to do with, selling a black lives matter scarf and donating to a black lives matter chapter in the city um or just choosing to but just something something as simple as choosing to promote the players voices yeah is doesn't cost them anything yeah i understand there's time invested in that in some respect but it doesn't take money to do that yeah and and we have time right now like i know they're doing some practices now but like were they doing that all of June? And even still, you, there's things that they can do that they haven't done. And I, what, what I'm really curious about is like, did he read that article from uh, Ashley Mahoney June 1st? Which, by the way, uh, listeners, I'm going to include every article that we reference uh, as well as a Twitter post of those statements so you guys can read and see for yourself uh, all these things. But like that, that June 1st article from Ashley where Brandon and Hugh are both quoted saying, this speaks to the culture of the club. The fact that they're being silent, they're not really doing anything. They're saying that they're with us, but they're really just letting us do things on our own and not really doing anything to help us. Like, did he read that? And what improvements have been made since? Because on the outside, we've not seen anything until after your meeting, and it's still pretty little. Yeah, it, he did reference the article, and it was, it was to be honest with you, a little bit uh, disappointing because he, he couldn't even name the uh, – Ashley Mahoney, he just yeah. he just referenced the article. Uh-huh. Like have have the like educate yourself and know enough to know that like the person who wrote this know their name. Like especially since she's the person who writes yes. about the independence. It's not like you wrote it. <laughs> like no, yeah, Ashley like, Mahoney's been covering the team from day one as the journalist. You should know yeah. her name. And he he strongly referenced it in the sense that he was he seemed very frustrated that it even occurred. And that the I article think that's, occurred? That the, exactly. That the article occurred, that those voices were, that Brandon and Hugh were willing to speak on that subject. and it. Which So he was mad that the players spoke out or well, mad that it was published or everything? I don't want to say that he was mad that the, the players spoke out because mm-hmm. I don't know that for a fact. Yeah. Um, but the fact that the article even came out, he seemed frustrated on that, that – there was that much, I guess you could say, negative press put out there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was the, the circumstances they put themselves in. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. And it, it was frustrating to see that just because, like, this, like she's doing her job, quite frankly. Yeah. She's so, so he was mad at her? 
he, it was he was mad at the article being published. It, it okay. seemed to me. Uh, okay. Yeah, and it was, and that was a huge thing for him too. Is just the whole the way about the way that whole transpired, the article and and us not going to them and and all those things. Mm-hmm. He seemed very frustrated about, which kind of shows me that he's he's more frustrated that it was done in the public eye rather than in private. <laughs> but it, at the same time, it's like you, you're going you're gonna to be frustrated about that, but then you're not going to publicly support your players and, and their initiatives and uh, show any remorse in the public eye. Like that, that's the way this, shit, this should work. Like, so it sounds to me like he was more mad about potentially looking bad yeah. than any pain he may have caused or anyone else may have caused at the organization. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And I think, why would he talk to you about that? Like, that's not your like, like, like no, Ben. You need to be private with your concerns from now on, and don't put it out there in the open. Like, yeah, like, this isn't like some sort of marriage counseling thing. It's like a you're no. supporting the public. You're supposed to be a community club. All your business needs to be in public, as far as I'm concerned. Frankly, like, like with the exception of maybe some contract negotiations or something like that. Yeah. Like, like all of your stuff needs to be out there in the open if you are supposed to be a community club. Yeah. And I think for me, it, it comes down to like, this is a public issue. Like Dan mm-hmm. has made it very public that he feels that coronavirus came from China and that China mm-hmm. allowed it to happen and that it's, and things of that nature. And, and as you described earlier, and it's, it's a matter of like, he has publicly offended people, whether he wants to admit it or not, he has publicly mm-hmm. hurt people. Mm-hmm. So that's why I feel strongly and logic would dictate this as far as I'm concerned that publicly this needs to be addressed yeah and i i still feel as of the day we are recording uh mm-hmm. july 5th that it has not been addressed like there has not been any remorse shown as far as i'm concerned yeah like there hasn't been any and i know an apology is a, a difficult thing to ask for but at the same time um there comes a lot of responsibility um with him being a businessman and him being a mm-hmm. club owner and him being uh really a community leader yeah. whatever size that community is and, and whatever the case may be that's what it comes down to for me too is that like he's a community leader and i don't and he's offended people in a lot of ways both in charlotte the community here and the community uh the soccer community mm-hmm. and the usl community and really not to jump too far ahead but until that is like addressed i don't feel like anybody can move forward quite frankly yeah Um, and there's a difference between politically offending people maybe and socially offending people um if that makes sense yeah no it definitely does and um i don't know some i'm just kind of curious about did did y'all even get to because like from what you told me like you talked a lot and you kind of would interject a lot while you were asking questions and things like that did you guys get to like talk about just straight up the racist tweets and what was his like excuse for that? Or like, did he acknowledge it at all? Like, can you think of any specific example or anything? I I can't necessarily think of a specific example that I recall where I had confronted him with a specific tweet. I mean, there was yeah. some clarification that I did gain with him because he had used specifically a, a prayer emoji after, uh, a, a news article about um, a lot of protesters uh, for Black Lives Matter getting COVID-19 and how like 
I tried to explain to him how like that can be interpreted. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it, I think just about everyone would be, be like, like whenever you see like someone do like prayer hand emojis, they're yeah. like, please let this happen. Like it's, not. Yeah. And it's a matter of like, it's up for interpretation. And when you're perpetuating one type of view and then you do this thing, that's how people are going to interpret it. And that's what I tried to express to him in a lot of ways is like perception is reality. Mm-hmm. Like you have to understand that like, at a certain point in the in where we still are, I would say, when the club is, um, I don't want to say silent, but when they're not adamantly supportive in one way, and the the club owner who is very vocal on Twitter is mm-hmm. specifically another way, people are going to mix those two up. I would think, yeah, and I don't think that's out of the question uh, for people to think that way because at a certain point when you're financially supporting this club, you're financially supporting this man that has those social views, yeah. which, which is where the, the problem lies, I, I think, anyways. Yeah, yeah no, um, I, I agree. So, so what, his excuse for the prayer hands was what then? It was a matter of misinterpreting it and me, I'd say I misinterpreted uh-huh. it and he meant that just goodwill and that they would heal and things of that nature mm. um, rather which, than the, which I get I, and I understand that. And, but at the same time, that's the problem with social media is that you can't fully express yourself. And, but at the same time, when you, when you perpetuate a certain thought process and, and, and whatnot, mm-hmm. I don't think it's far fetched for people to think that way. Yeah, quite frankly. I, and frankly, I think most people, when they do prayer hand emojis like that, it's usually not like I'm praying for you. It's usually like a please let this happen type of situation or please, please, please. But then again, without being ageist, he is 70 years old yeah. using Twitter. It's possible to not understand some of the different things. I mean, it mm-hmm. is possible in that. I, I don't know how you could excuse some of the other things we mentioned already, like with China virus and uh, the thing about racism only being perpetuated by people who are using it as an excuse. Don't know how you can twist that. A lot of what he seems to perpetuate is about fairness, whether it's uh, trade with China or just fairness in general. It, it mm-hmm. was an interesting topic that kept coming up for him. And um, whether it was, like I said, trade with China or um, the Paris Climate Accord. And it was mm-hmm. just, there was tons of topics where it felt like it was more the conversation was more centered around him educating me on the way he views things than really um, addressing the matter at hand. Mm-hmm. It, it seemed like to me, it was a matter of random tangents here and there and, but not really like honing in on the situation and um, that we, that we were there to discuss quite frankly. Right. So, so he just kind of was all over the place a bit with yeah. it. Hmm. Okay. So we had a question from Vaughn who asked, what actionable things did D'Amico commit to doing? Um, I don't know that there was specific exact actionable ex- actions that he committed to per se. I mean, I think he seemed to be open to, and I think they've shown this in some regard, publicly supporting the players. Because one thing I really tried to drive home for him is that like, as I may have stated earlier, that you privately encouraging Brandon is not enough and you need to publicly mm-hmm. support your players and publicly mm-hmm. like put action behind your words, whatever that may look like. It's going to look different for different clubs. 
um, in different organizations and things like that. But at the same time, I think, I think he seemed receptive to it. I think mm-hmm. it's encouraging in some ways that um, maybe that came from our meeting. I don't know. Right. Um, that's one thing that I'll be curious as time goes on, if there's any attempt from the front office outside of Dan to try to mend that relationship. Yeah. Um, at the time of recording on June, July 5th, I've not seen any of that. I've not heard mm-hmm. any of that. Um, but I'll be curious what future next steps come from this because um, Chuck, a fan up in uh, for, for North Carolina FC, had brought up the point that like, it's great that they're uh, sharing their message, but they need to be vocal themselves. Like yeah. they need to be adamant themselves. Like this is kind of like I talked about earlier. This isn't a Hugh and Brandon problem. This is an everyone problem. Yeah. We all need to, uh, find a niche that we can do and do it well to support the cause that's at hand. Mm-hmm. I feel like, um, but really, unfortunately, I don't know that there was specific things that they're going to try to do to correct the situation. Um, right. he did seem receptive and I've, um, I don't want to say reluctantly, but I've sent over some things that I found other clubs do, mm-hmm. um, that I found exceptional, like Torment FC raising $2,000 for a local NAACP uh, mm-hmm. chapter or like organizing a, um, a, a march, uh, mm-hmm. a Black Lives Matter march. I thought that was really cool that what they did there. Um, or Louisville City setting up a diversity board. Like, and, and I say reluctantly because that is something that did come up in our, in our conversation was like the idea of how I think they should correct this situation. And I do want to, and I said this to him as well, is like, I don't want to tell you how to do your job. Right. Like, cause at a certain point, um, we're really factually, I'm not on the payroll. So like, yeah. I'm not gonna, as much as I love, love this club. And as much as I want this club to succeed, I can't personally invest any more energy in, for lack of a better word, telling them what to do because at a certain point they haven't done it for so long, I think. And and quite Um, frankly, um, to me, like, it's nice that jumping ahead just a little bit, like mm -hmm. the team has put out a couple of uh, social media posts on Hugh since your your meeting. Like just, you know, one of him in a Black Lives Matter t-shirt and a couple other promoting his podcast, Backyard Footy, which everyone should listen to. He has uh, two episodes uh, on Black Lives Matter where it's like a panel. And I, I recommend watching it on YouTube if you can. I just think it's a lot better that way. But however you want to consume it, they're both phenomenal. And that's great that, that they're doing that. But I don't understand why it took you sitting down with Dan to make that happen when you saw the article from Ashley, which clearly he saw. Yeah. When players in that article are quoted as saying, we don't feel supported, their silence speaks volumes to their culture. Mm-hmm. Why did it take sitting down with you for a minor thing is that because if you look back on their Twitter activity, other than the weak statement, nothing else until after your meeting with him. Like that to yeah. me, that that is really concerning to me. So it, it's one of those things where like it shouldn't be your place. To, I mean, it's great for you to help whatever you can because you are a prominent supporter. You're the president of Jackson Militia. There should be some sort of coordination with the front office. Um, but you're not there public relations guy you're not there a person to 
like they should be figuring some of that stuff out on their own. And if they're not, I really wonder why they need to be told these things. Like I feel like yeah. you should be living it. Like you're, you're in soccer. Soccer is one of the most diverse sports that I know of, especially in America. Like, like you have people from all over the country. I mean, we always celebrated at Jackson militia. You always have flags from every nation of whatever our players were that year, like mm-hmm. celebrating the diversity. And why do you, how do you, as someone who owns the club and the club's front office too, I put it at them as well. Why do you need some guy who's part of a supporters group to tell you these things like that? Yeah, that to me is mind blowing. And it, and it really, I don't, I will basically unashamedly say this too, that it shouldn't take me another white man to tell him what to do after Brandon has had a conversation with Dan mm-hmm. and trying to share with him what they should do in, and, and things of that nature. It shouldn't take me no. for him to get that across. Like he shouldn't, yeah. it shouldn't take me for him to understand that. And at, yeah. at a certain point, I think for me, what it comes down to, it's a matter of conviction and it's a matter of desire to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. exactly. Um, I'll, I'll use this in this example and I don't, I'm not directly quoting him, but um, there was a recent uh, league one fun interview uh, with Darren Van Tassel. Um, oh, I'm forgetting his role, but he's, uh, if not the owner, the president of Tormenta FC. Mm-hmm. And the way he had described it was, we need to make what is important to them important to us. Yeah. And really, you, you can't put it much more simply than that. Yeah. Like, if you're not going to prioritize what, and I'd even take it a step further in some ways, if you're not going to prioritize what is important to the community, what is important to the city, what is important to the nation, uh, I don't I don't know... I don't know how much I don't know how much help can be had there. Like how, I don't yeah. know what it's going to take for them to understand that they are a part of this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think kind of going back to what I said earlier about like maybe we're I'm expecting too much. I, I don't think there is because there's been numerous examples of different clubs doing different things mm-hmm. um, with different resource levels and and different things. And and like we talked about earlier, it's a matter of like. Some things are free. It just takes intentionality and desire to really pull those off. Yep. Um, especially when, quite frankly, they have um, resources and players um, that are right there in front of you that they're not utilizing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a disconnect between the desire and, uh, and an action that is right there in front of them, quite frankly. So... Matt asked us, and you've touched on it a bit, but during your conversation, did he give any indication about the overall health of the club? In some regards, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that one part of the conversation I had with him was about like the culture of the club and like mm-hmm. the fact that like in some ways the club is, they are at a disadvantage and an advantage is the way I see it that there isn't a distinct culture and identity of the club. And yeah. right now would be a prime opportunity to sit back and say, this is going to be our, this is going to be our thing. Yeah. Like we are going to be, we are going to go headstrong into being a diverse and an inclusive club mm-hmm. that is willing to speak on these topics. Yeah. And they haven't done that quite frankly. And I think the disappointing thing um, not necessarily surprising, I'd say, but the uh, somewhat disappointing thing to hear is that really they're they're in more survival mode than anything else, which is um, 
I mean, I mean, specifically put, he, he described the culture of the club as survival uh, or surviving or whatever you want to call it. Um, I mean, yeah. that, that just, to me, sounds like a cop-out because the club's been in survival yep. mode since day one. It's struggling. I don't yeah. think that's, if that's your culture, that's a yeah. sad culture. Like, who wants to sign mm-hmm. up for the club whose culture is survival mode? Like, hey, we might not yeah. be here next year because we're broke and we have, like, a thousand fans. Like, no, that's yeah. not – if that's your culture, you really need to change your culture, frankly. Like, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it sucks we don't have a lot of fans, and it sucks that right when we're going to get our new stadium, not only did COVID happen, not only are you having this trouble, but you got Tepper FC coming in. Yeah, I get all that. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't be your culture. That's a damn depressing culture that I don't think anybody wants to be a part of. It's just something you're yeah. kind of forced into, if anything. But, like, you need to change that, frankly. And I would love it if the Charlotte Independence was an anti-racist club. Like, that would yeah. be fantastic. I would love that so much. Like, like even look at, like, little things like um, you see, like, what Asheville City can do, like, sometimes with their Pride Month and things like that. It's like they seem to just really embody that and really go for it. And that's a tiny club. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, it's, and again, that's like what it, they have made what is important to their community important to them. That's what yep. it comes down to, and like, and that's what kind of the frustration for me has been is that like conversations before all this transpired, um, both the social movement uh, situation that we're all in, and before uh, the rift that has been caused by Dan's tweets, I had, had conversations with the front office, and they had said. They want to be a community club. They've given these examples of taking these uh, Novant uh, clinics into these parts of town, which is like, I'm all, that's awesome. Like, I want to know how mm-hmm. to be involved with that and how I can support that and things of that nature. And then later on in the conversation, I bring up to them, there's these other initiatives and uh, like, sto- like Soccer 658 and these other things in the mm-hmm. city that are doing these, some things already, like really good things that should be promoted and you should use as a, you should use your platform to enhance. And the next thing out of their mouth is, why don't we do that, Ben? And then they're not doing anything. So it's like, <laughs> which one is it? Like, do you want to be a community club? Uh, or, and do you want to do things or do you not? Like, they're, they're, it's not, I don't want to minimize it, but it's not that difficult. Yeah. You either are a community club or you're not. You're either prioritizing things or you're not. Like, survival is not a... Uh, That's not a not culture. A, it's not a culture and it's not a game plan. Like yeah. survival is not going to work. You're not going to gain fans. You're not going to, there is no survival in just surviving. Like yeah. there isn't, there just isn't. Hmm. So Richard asked us a question as well. He asked one for you and for me. Um, he asked you if you could have had 20 to 30 minutes of uninterrupted uh, talk to Dan, what would you have said? And then I'll say what mine was after you answer that. So if you had 20 minutes where you knew yeah. he wasn't going to interrupt you mid-talk, like, I don't know if you need 20 whole minutes because then you're just making a monologue at the guy and he's probably tuned out halfway through. But, like, yeah, what would you – like, is there one thing that you felt like you didn't quite get to get your point across that you wish you had? Maybe that's a better way to ask it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think – I'll answer it this way. I think in some respects I did attempt to – to, de- to describe to him the hurt that had been done to him or that mm-hmm. he had per- perpetuated on other people. Yeah. I think I would have loved to try to give specific examples of like the minority groups that he has caused harm to 
mm-hmm. and to try to get them to understand that and try to maybe provide like resource examples as to why these things hurt those people. And I think even more specifically, and I think part of it is that there's a, for me, it's like a long-term plan. Like 20 minutes is a great opportunity to sit there and tell him like, this is why these things hurt these people. Mm-hmm. But for me, and I think, like I said earlier, why I wouldn't have been prepared to have this conversation a month ago is because like, it took a lot of, and I still have more of, to do of this, but it, it took a lot of education and personal time to better understand the situation. And like, for example, why people resist arrest and things of that nature, like Mm -hmm. to understand the ins and outs of the situation we're in and to like understand the foundation of uh, American history in a lot of ways too. Like something I tried to express to him in the conversation was about like how passionate he is about holding China accountable and, I mean, there was a specific moment where he was, he was getting red in the face about holding China accountable and how nobody has held China accountable and how Trump's been the first one in his lifetime to hold China, China accountable and all mm-hmm. these kinds of things. And I'm like, simply put, Dan, you need to understand that you need to be as passionate about that as you are about social and racial change mm-hmm. for this to occur. Yeah. Like, as well, and, and, and I'll end with this, um, is that like, the the rooms he is in being tied to washington that he referenced like he could make drastic change if he were to just uh, try to take a step back and see see somebody else's perspective like why these people would be protesting and why these people would be offended by me um calling out a uh, a trans man for for uh trying to compete in a women's league like mm-hmm. why would these people think this and, and, and then try to take that knowledge back to the, the avenues that he is in that other people don't have the benefit of being in. Yeah. So uh, Richard asked me if I could have popped in at the end of the meeting, what would have been my one last thing? Um, I would have loved to have been at the whole meeting if I wasn't afraid to leave my house right now because of the virus. Um, yeah. But uh, I think if I could have just popped in and just made w- one big impression I would have tried to make on him is that his intent means very little. And the, what I mean by that is like, let's, let's take everything he says at face value as far as that statement goes that, hey, this is political. This is economical. This is not racist. This is not this. Okay, you believe that. I believe that you believe that, Dan. But it's not just one or two crazy liberals who think this. This is a lot of people who supported your club. And yeah, I would argue most of them are probably probably lean left, but I have several conservative friends who are also fans of the club who saw these and thought that it was racist and terrible. Mm-hmm. I I just think even if you're right, even if you're completely right, Dan, I think you need to really investigate why they feel this way and not why they're wrong. Yeah. Because to me, even if you're right, the fact that it's caused this much pain, that means there's some sort of miscommunication and blaming the other people for conflating it is not going to accomplish anything. So just try to look at it from a perspective. Even if you still don't believe it's racist at the end of the day, maybe you can just look at changing some of your language. Call it COVID-19. Don't call it the China virus. Mm-hmm. You know, the, just something as small as that, that really can make a difference because calling it the China virus 
it looks like your intent's bad. And even if your intent isn't bad, it is harmful. And I think if you just investigate why, that would really improve your relations with a lot of the fan base. Like to, to me and, and people in general, because it's not even just fans. Like you said, it's other so- soccer people who have caught wind of this. So like, mm-hmm. I just think, and it's something that honestly me and you need to do, something everyone needs to do. You need to always look at things and not be like, I'm 100% right. You need to look at why does someone else think this way? Was what I said misinterpreted in any way, shape, or form? Because we all need to grow. We always constantly need to learn. I mean, there's definitely things that like I've had to learn during this time as well, and honestly, my whole life. And I think you might, like, it feels like he's set in his ways a bit, and it's just a matter of you don't understand. I know things you don't. But okay, you, I also know things that he doesn't, and you do, and everyone does. Everyone knows something that someone else doesn't know, and I think to be open to that could really improve, frankly, his Twitter activity. Because like, the tweets ain't stopped, as far as I know. I haven't looked today, but like, mm-hmm. it keeps happening. Just stuff here and there that's like, okay, that's questionable. Okay, that's racist. Like, you know, and until he sees that, the tweets are going to keep happening. Yeah. So it feels weird because I just had a big thing and I realized I'm the one that has to ask the next questions. So, <laughs> so I think we more or less covered a meeting. Um, unless there's anything else you want to talk about from it that we didn't cover, anything you want to mention? Not that I can think of. No, I mean I think mm-hmm. I'll, I'll end it with this: that I, I am hopeful that um, some good can still come from this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know how optimistic I am. Yeah. Um, just due to the way the conversation was, uh, as I kind of said, and as I've said on Twitter, he did a lot more talking than listening. And yeah. as, as we've talked about, there's, there's a matter of maybe there, there's a, there's an understanding that needs to be had that I think anyways, he had done a wrong. He needed to educate himself as to why that may be the case, even if mm-hmm. he doesn't necessarily believe it, like you said, but just, yeah, try to learn from this experience that I don't know. I think at times he may have understood some things. I mean, there was at times uh, he had leaned in his chair when I was talking about something. Mm-hmm. So that kind of shows that there's, there is a, maybe a willingness, but I'll, I'll be curious to see what definitive change comes from this and what definitive change comes in the front office specifically. Cause that's, I mean, that's one thing that I do want to touch base on just briefly is that like really what this comes down to in, and I think why I and others are so frustrated with this situation is um, that it's kind of a, a recurring pattern for communication to be bad, quite yeah. frankly, yeah. Um, between the front office and the supporters and um, really just everything in general um, with uh, things that happen with the uh, independence, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, okay, let me see what thing went down um so charles asks uh can you outline some specific things you'd like to see happen that would encourage you to go back to supporting the team i don't know exactly what it would take for me to come back and and do a a 180 or whatever and 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 go back to supporting the club as fervently as i have in the past to be honest with you Mm -hmm. i think as much as i want to Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I miss soccer, I think a lot of the learning I've done through all this is that like, 
I think there's maybe more, there, there's better things that I can do uh, to impact my community than do what I have in the past in supporting the club and supporting soccer as I have in some regard. I think it'd be easy for me to say that they need to just publicly support the players and mm-hmm. publicly invest in the community. But I think for me, what it would really, I'll answer it this way for what it would really take for me is um, to even do as little as go to a game uh, for reference's sake, it would take a continued pattern for them to take steps to repair the damage that they've done in some ways mm-hmm. to try to, if nothing else, find an identity for the club, whatever that mm-hmm. may look like, but just take little steps to um, address the situation and, and try to make it better, I guess you could say. Okay. Um, I'm going to kind of answer that too, but to be honest, I don't know. And, and I think yeah. part of the reason I don't know is for me, it is about the culture of the club at this point. Um, mm-hmm. When I did my whole, uh, several fans did a long, long threads about why they're leaving the club. Uh, I finished it up by saying I can't in good conscience support the club when their values don't really line up with mine. And I don't know what it would take to convince me that the values would change. Cause like, to be honest, I don't see, cause like I know there's been some calls for them to do like they did with uh was it Donald Sterling or whatever to remove him from the team, uh, basically remove uh, D'Amico from ownership, but who would take the team? I, I don't yeah. know who would like, like why would you like, unless you really love the Charlotte independence specifically, yeah. I don't know financially why it would be a, a good move at this point. And to me, unless I can see change, like meaningful change from him, and to be honest, from the front office as well, I don't know that I could come back. Because like, the more I've looked into things, and like, you know, first of all, I mean, we've already mentioned her a good bit, but if you're not following Queen City Football Chronicle, you really should, because Ashley has been covering the team from day one, and she does some good stuff. There's uh, some reporting she did from like September 2018, and it's something that I knew happened at the time, but I didn't really give it as much thought until now, to be honest when um i'm trying to make sure i get his name right uh she interviewed uh preston Poole, who uh sung the national anthem and took a knee during the anthem now i don't think i was at this game i'm not sure um but i i knew that it had happened and i saw okay you need good and i uh, heard some fans were mad about it and uh the thing that concerns me though is that the statement uh the team put out about it it's not overly like crazy or anything but i, I just want to read it for people to see and then you know you can make your own judgments but it says the charlotte independence believes our matches are a place for all to gather regardless of background or ideology those who counter this philosophy do not represent the club the independence was unaware of the gesture prior to the singing of the national anthem which uh, to me once again it kind of seems like a weak statement but also like it seems like it's pretty obvious that they were not supportive of him kneeling kneeling mm-hmm. and that maybe was a thing where it was more okay just two years ago than now. Like you can't imagine a club coming out saying they weren't okay with someone taking a knee right now, but two years ago, yeah, it was a lot more divisive, but at the same time, that tells me right there kind of where their ideologies line up and it's yeah. a bit different for me. And then when you combine that with all the other reporting she's done with players saying, I don't feel supported They're They're saying they support me, but it just feels like they're just, and even Jim McPhillamy himself saying it's just checking a box. I don't know what they could do that would genuinely make me believe that they've improved their culture. So to me, I don't know what it would take for me to come back, but I think it would be a lot of changes. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I don't fully know what that looks like, and I don't know if it's possible, which makes me sad, frankly, because I love the team. Yeah. I mean, my office has a bunch of independent stuff all over. I mean, the picture's right here. That one uh, right there, that's us holding a scarf at my wedding. Uh, yeah. That one was just at the house with several of us are wearing independence jerseys. And the very top picture, that's from my very first game, which I'm sure everyone's seen several times already. And Bilal yeah. Duckett jersey right behind me, autographed mm-hmm. by everybody. I mean, I freaking love this team. But yeah, it just doesn't line up with my morals anymore. And I'm not sure what I can do to reconcile that. Sorry for ranting. <laughs> no, that's okay. Ranting is, uh, is appreciated or, or uh, I don't know mm. what you want to call it, but yeah. But I'm um, trying to think anything else. Oh, yes. I do have one more question uh, from Chuck, uh, the guy up in uh, Cary, um, which that was nothing. This was supposed to be my first year to go to Cary and I didn't get to. Oh. But <laughs> uh, what other ways can independence fans boycott the club considering how COVID probably means fewer fans, if any, will be able to go to games. A lack of fans in the stands won't be as impactful as it might have been. Uh, how else can you show your displeasure? Which this is true. Like, to be honest, yeah. I wasn't going to go to any games this year anyway because of COVID. So what do you think we can do to help further show our displeasure other than, you know, tweeting and podcasting? Yeah. Um, Got to make sure to do the podcasting. That's the most important part. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh I think for me, um, it's a matter of, for lack of a better description, supporting the players where the club is not, mm-hmm. um, whether that's just showing appreciation for, uh, them speaking up and being willing to share their perspective on things and, and, and whatnot, or just sharing, s- spreading that message, I think mm-hmm. is really important. Um, and I'll also allude to um, some discussions both Jack's militia and the players are, are going to be having here f- in the near future mm-hmm. uh, about what that relationship looks like, looks like, and how. Because um, I don't know, quite honestly, it, it's yeah. a tough, it's a tough ask because we are a supporters group of a club. Yeah, uh, and of course, I think while we don't have, technically speaking, uh, a mission statement with Jack's militia, I think above all else, we support the players. Mm-hmm. Um, how you support players when you may or may not be in the stands supporting them during a game is very difficult. Mm. Um, I mean, I've thought of ideas maybe of like a pre-match protest. Um, not necessarily of the club, but to kind of show them what they're missing in some ways, but a, a, a protest of racial injustice and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, adhering to social distancing rules and, uh, makes it hard. The, yeah, it makes it hard. And I think what I will say, and, um, I don't know how much I'm spoiling or spoiling, spoiling God, uh, <laughs> we've been talking for too long. Um, we have been but, talking for a while. Yeah. But I don't know how much I'm, I'll, I'll tease it this way that there, there will be opportunities for, uh, for fans both in Charlotte and outside of Charlotte to support support both the players and mm-hmm. initiatives that they see fit um, that are impacting the community uh, in the near future. Um, I, I don't want to put a definitive date on that, but over the next few weeks or so, um, there will be opportunities to support them. Um, so don't watch this channel, but watch... Um, <laughs> Keep an eye out, really, to, yeah. to both Brandon Miller and, and Hugh Roberts' uh, uh, Twitter channels because uh, they have done a lot of work 
um, behind the scenes to um, to find initiatives and nonprofits that that mm-hmm. they are passionate about that we want to support um, and that I feel are worthy of support um, in talking with Brandon and um, and things of that nature. I think there there will be opportunities for um, maybe not in person. It may not be cheering and banging a drum, but there will be opportunities to further support these players uh, in, in the near future. Sounds great. So uh, Matt asked us another question. Well, he asked you a question. He said, uh, do you feel your experiences at as the president of Jackson Militia have given you a different perspective compared to previous seasons as an Independence fan? If so, how do you feel that new perspective has influenced or affected you? Oh, that could be a whole nother podcast. Um, right. I mean, I think it's, it's kind of, uh, it's not like a, a matter of seeing how the sausage is made, but it kind of is. And like, do you know what I'm saying when I say that? Like you see how the sausage is made and then yeah. you never want to have the sausage. Um, yeah, absolutely. I worked at McDonald's for like two <laughs> weeks and I didn't eat McDonald's for five years after that. <laughs> Yeah. And it, it's, it, I don't want to say it's quite that, but it's, it's almost a matter of like, I think it's kind of taught me, like you you see how like the behind the scenes things work mm-hmm. and how like difficult it is. And you really appreciate, like, I'll say it this way. You appreciate all these other supporter groups that are able to do these different things with both um, large support and small support. And you really admire what other people are doing in their community and, and it inspires you in some ways. Um, I think it, it kind of also, I don't know. It, like I said, it could be a whole nother podcast. It, yeah. it, it makes me uh, appreciative and I miss soccer in some ways, but um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm rambling at this point. No, yeah, that's fine. Um, <laughs> that, that's pretty much all the questions we got. Um, okay. I haven't checked during the interview. If we got any more, um, you're too late. Yeah. If you, you did, sorry. I mean, we, yeah. we've talked for a while. Um, so, um, is there anything else you wanted to discuss? Anything we missed that you wanted to just put out there? Um, I'll, I'll say this in, in kind of a conclusion that, um, and I've sort of touched base on this, but I'll, I'll say it definitively that really nothing has been accomplished and there's more to be done. I think, um, I'll say this, as I said earlier, that there's still going to be, um, opportunities to support these players and they still are worthy of support. I, uh, to be open and transparent, I don't know what Jack's militia looks like in the future. Uh, or talking Jack's for that matter. Or talking Jack's. Yeah. yeah. We probably <laughs> do need to address that here. I don't know how much I'm going to be supporting this club in the future. Um, so I don't know what the podcast is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do say, I'll, I'll say all that to say too, that like, um, really just continue to educate yourself, continue to, um, learn different things, whether that's in soccer or outside of soccer. Um, I would hate for this whole experience to occur and some, some positive thing not to happen. Um, whether that's in the community of Charlotte or otherwise, because there has obviously been a lot of, uh, attention that has been had outside of Charlotte. I think, um, to kind of speak to those outside of Charlotte for a moment, have these conversations with your front office, um, don't sit back and of course people are able to have differing opinions and things like that and perspectives, but like have these conversations now. And I don't think it's asking for too much and, mm. um, and whatnot, just, uh, 
but also just continue to speak up because I, I think um, if we don't speak up, then we're, we're not doing something right. I don't think um, there's a lot more that can go into that, of course, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well put. Um, well, uh, that's it. I'll just say in closing, firstly, Alex, it's all your fault. Everything went downhill after you left. Um, I won't say come on you jacks. Instead, I'll say black lives matters and uh, wear a damn mask. Um, 